Yeah, you want to hear it. <laughs> Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Same Peaks, y'all. My name's Leif. My name is Tess, and this is the podcast where two librarian geeks talk about the TV show Twin Peaks once every couple weeks or so. And Leif, we have reached the infamous part eight of Twin Peaks, The Return. And by the way, if you're a legacy listener, welcome back. And if you're a new listener, I really like the TV show Twin Peaks. It's my favorite TV show. Leaf has never seen Twin Peaks. He's watching it for the first time. So we're getting his first time reaction to part eight today, which is very exciting. But first... We have our new segment sent from my guy phone. Oh, thank you. I thought you were talking about the segment. Um, I should have looked that up, but I was too lazy or something. Uh, I oh, Well, I have something for that, too. Perfect. Actually. actually. Um, all right. Here's our latest correspondence from Guy Dudeman. Guy Dudeman, of course, from the Twin Peaks podcast. It's happy hour in France. Uh, He says, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going to have to up my email game if I'm being bumped to segment status. That's right, guy. All right. He um, so he says, I should know better than to spread interpeak pod gossip. I'm probably remembering it wrong, but I thought that Wrapped in Podcast made a joke about Balthasar Getty that he didn't like and they exchanged words. Maybe it was all in fun. Um, I do have a follow-up to that because I did reach out to our friend JR um, about this. I asked him uh, if they had Twitter beef, if they indeed had Twitter beef with Balthazar Getty. And he said, uh, it's hard to remember, but we came down hard on Balthazar in the podcast because of an interview he gave around the time Lost of, of Lost Highway and our David Lynch joint where he said David Lynch was stupid or something. And then Ken, another guy on Rafton podcast, got very concerned <laughs> that Balthazar would possibly come to San Francisco and kick his A. <laughs> kick his there apples. May, <laughs> yeah, there may have been tweets about it, but I maintain my spiritual hygiene by avoiding Twitter. <laughs> so... I have reached out to Ken for comment, but I have not heard back from him yet. So I'll let you guys know if I get an update about the uh, Peaks Pod gossip and the possible beef with Balthazar Getty. 
Welcome to Rumor City. Rumor City. Um, concerning Tammy's fingerprint sleuth thing, remember about the reverse fingerprint? The only fingerprint that was reversed on Mr. C's was Mr. C's left ring finger. And that is why Cole explained about the spirit mound, which is the ring finger. Oh. It's Tammy when he showed when she showed him the fingerprints of Mr. C. Oh. The Vice City photo is amazing. Mr. C is the opposite of Coop in every way, including his fashion sense. Um, uh, the first few seasons of Tannis are excellent. I never finished it though. Uh, so he's uh, also a Tannis fan. Um, guy, I'm still listening to it. It is very good. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, Walter Olkiewicz, the actor who plays Jacques and Jean-Michel Renault, died relatively recently. No one played inappropriate slash creepy slash dopey better. Let's down two mugs of beer in his honor. I do have some um, some root beer today that I'm 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 drinking. drinking. I'm drinking not, in his honor. You're not going to believe this. I'm drinking tea right now. I started uh, a new brand called Tetley. Mm, Tetley. Mm. You make fine tea. Uh, sponsored. Now sponsored by Tudley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, so love and kindness to the family and friends of Walter Okowitz, wherever mm-hmm. you are. Uh, this is this is really nice. Guy had a kind of a different interpretation on my uh, run-in with that guy who came into the library while we were closed. <laughs> he says, Tess, I think you handled yourself exceptionally well with the entitled after hours printer dude. If you gave him sass, he might've used that as an excuse to say you were being unreasonable and maybe even complain to your boss. Dudes don't always appreciate what women have to go through to feel safe. He might have been a nice person, but you didn't know that until he listened to you and left the building. But take my opinion with a grain of salt as I am not a black belt librarian. (laughs) And obviously neither am I. I think Guy, uh, for not being a librarian, really, I think gets a bit of librarianship, which is that you're always a little worried that you're going to upset someone who pays taxes and then therefore feels entitled to treat you basically any way they want to when they come into the library. And for the most part, people are really nice when they come in the library and you help them and they're grateful and it's great then every once in a while there are people who have unreasonable requests and I am still uh, after 14 years of librarianship I think I still fall into the trap of like just being nice to everyone no matter (laughs) if they're nice to me or not (laughs) like the other day we were closing and this lady was like well I'm gonna use the bathroom and I was like well we have to to lock the building and she was like well, I'm entitled to use the public restroom. And I was like, yeah, when we're open, but we're closed now. And she just went, she went in the back. She was there for like five or 10 minutes. And then I went to check on her. Cause I was like, is she okay in there? And she got all upset at me. And really I didn't do anything wrong, but immediately afterwards I texted my boss and I was like, just in case you get a complaint, here's what happened. <laughs> And that's tales from the library for you for tonight. You should have um, um, gone in with her and like awkwardly <laughs> stood right in front of the stall um, <laughs> and just kind of stood there and be like, and counted off the minutes. Um, that would have been a great idea. 
Um, um, I don't he, think he, I don't think he did anything wrong. It happens sometimes, you know. He has a theory about um, the child who brought the lizard. Mm-hmm. He he thinks it's cream corn kid, <laughs> and that the lizard might hold Garmin Boja. So I better not put it in the lunchroom which, at the library. Which, um, I believe makes an appearance in this episode, right? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, thanks for another great episode, Leaf and Tess. Until next time, I'll be eagerly waiting to hear how badly episode eight melted Leaf's brain. It's as beautiful as it is disturbing. So don't fret, Leaf. Sent from that has been sent from my guy phone. Our new segment. First of all, thank you so much, Guy Dudeman. You are not only a really um, cool person to be sending us emails and listening to the cast, uh, you seem to be like a great human being. So um, thank you. And also, uh, before we get into the episode proper, wait, do we have any other emails? I Well, I don't have an email, but I do have something for you. You had asked me, you had asked me to look up the statue Mm-hmm. in um in the uh in twin peaks the the statue that dougie is fixated on and you wanted to know is it a real statue and i have an answer for you like you wanted to know like can you go see it in las vegas is it somewhere um so uh here's what i have to tell you um you know how david lynch doesn't like to answer questions about the significance of his work i'm aware um, of this yes Apparently, he was feeling very generous with this particular uh, reporter from Vulture. That's the name of this periodical. And um, they uh, they asked him about that statue. And he said that it is a tribute to his father, David Lynch's father. He says, my father, when he was 19, worked at a fire tower. They're way up in the air. He had to hike once, once a week for five hours to get water and food and then hike back and then climb way up in this tower to scout out smoke and fire and call out to the firefighters if you saw anything. I'm not sure if he took the first selfie, but with a string, he managed to take a picture of himself holding a pistol out with a stance. And that was the impetus for the statue. So with that like image in mind, he requested that this statue be custom built, this work of art for these scenes with Dougie. Um, although apparently the results were mixed, uh, David Lynch said it doesn't even look like him really, but it's the pose. So, um, and that re- that reporter asked him that question. I thought this was really interesting at the Festival of Disruption. And so I was like, what is that? I have to know all about it. So I looked it up and I found another article. This one's from the Hollywood Reporter um, about the Festival of Disruption, which is apparently a festival that David Lynch puts on on like an annual to semi-annual basis. Uh, It's an event to um, uh, the, the proceeds go to the David Lynch Foundation which works to eliminate trauma and toxic stress through transcendental meditation. Um, And during the festival, the festival is like art, film, music, all these things that David Lynch 
he curates the experience for the festival goers. And I just want to tell you a couple of things that they did there. There's concerts and film showings. And one of the things, Eric, was that, or excuse me, Leaf, there was, they played the game Everything. And I know you love the game Everything. It's... <laughs> there was also a fashion show. One of my favorite... Uh, uh, drag queens, Katya did a performance. Do you remember when I told you about the Icelandic band Sigur Ross? I do. And they, I, I hadn't get a chance to tell you, but I've listened to a lot of their music. They're very yeah, good. They did mm-hmm. a, a performance. Um, like there was like a special place where you could go and meditate and listen to their music. Um, it sounds really it sounds like it was a really cool experience so that was uh i just wanted to follow up with you about that statue because you were curious and now what did you want to tell me before we get into this episode before we get to that uh comments on the report um when are we going to visit the festival of disruption (laughs) right no, I wonder if they're even doing it, you know, with all the COVID stuff. Oh, yeah, that's on. true. Um, I don't know. I wonder if, is it like VIP? Do you just get like a letter in the mailbox? You can buy tickets. Oh. It's a, it's for the foundation. So, I mean, I don't know if like just anybody can buy tickets or if you have to be invited, but. Or maybe. if you have to be like, I don't know, a podcast host for a Twin Peaks podcast. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can like sneak on in there. I was going to take guy with us. Yeah, I would love <laughs> Hey, guy. You're invited to the festival of disruption with us. Um, we'll take guy. We'll take our best friend, Chris. We'll take Chris- JR. It's going to be a good old time. Um, Chris, um, your spouse. What was her name? Your wife. She seems very Lauren. lovely. Yeah, she of course. You're invited as well. She seems rad. <laughs> this is gonna be so much fun. I'm she's really totally excited. rad. And by the way, it was her birthday recently. Happy birthday, Lauren. Happy birthday, Lauren. Um, there's wife also the cast. <laughs> there's a video game called Firewatch that takes place as where you're in a Firewatch Tower. And oh, it's wow. it's very good. Yeah, it's um anyway, that's my two things. So this episode. The thing is, I didn't know, because um, I know you and some of our listeners have been asking about when you getting to episode eight, um, I can't believe it. This, So I didn't know what to expect. So for some reason, my mind went to um, that something really disturbing was going to happen, probably between like a daughter or a dad. Like, I'm trying to think like, what would my triggers be? Oh, gotcha. Like the they sa- thought you thought it was something personal for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like okay. how people were concerned about how I would react to, um, fire walk with fire me. Walk right. With me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I didn't know what to expect. And then once we got to, once it starts kicking off, then I was like, oh, this isn't like a worried that like I'm experiencing some <laughs> kind of trauma. This is more like there's a lot of heady uh, stuff going on and yeah. and um, atypical film type things. And we want this is like the episode, like the the big old weird one. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yes. Um, anyway. Yeah. I'm ready to talk about it. So All right. I, I, I told you it was epic. I don't know if you if you took me at my word or not. I don't see the thing. Well, okay, we'll get to it. We'll get to <laughs> okay, it. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Part eight of the return, also known as Got a Light. <laughs> it starts off like any other episode. 
it starts off like a normal episode of Twin Peaks The Return, whatever that is. Um, Ray and Booper are driving away from the prison. It picks up right where it left off from the last episode. Um, uh, Booper's magic phone tells him, informs him that there are three tracking devices on the car and he somehow transfers them to a truck in front of them. That's how I interpreted that series of events. Uh, Ray, I think, realizes, like, uh-oh, I'm not going to get away with, with all of this. He tries to apologize and thank him for getting him out Ray of jail. certainly seems less smiley and smirky than usual. Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely doing less laughing to himself than Ray is typically known for. Yeah, and he's like, um, like, uh, how did you know that I was in prison? And he, and Booper's like, Daria told me, and and Ray's like, oh, where's Daria? He's like, she's waiting for us to call when it's safe, and we know that that's not true. And I think Ray probably knows that's not true. Um, so uh, Ray's like, where are we going? Are we going to the farm? That's where I want to go. Whatever that is. And, um, you know, cause they're going to be looking for us. They're not going to just let us get away. Uh, and, uh, Booper is just like, I just want that information that you were going to give me. And Ray's like, yeah, I got those numbers memorized. And, uh, I think they might be worth something to you. Maybe a whole lot of money. Ray has cojones i gotta give him that he's <laughs> we don't know what those numbers are right like no. what the information is I mean, we don't know we just know that there are numbers apparently i mean honestly that was a reveal that the information is numbers um uh there's a lot of driving in the dark footage uh which david lynch is very good at he must love driving in the dark footage they pull off onto a dirt road and Ray asked to pull over to take a leak. Um, There's nothing like peeing in the woods. <laughs> what does Cooper say? Nothing like listening to the call of nature in the woods or something. <laughs> I don't remember the saying. Yeah. Uh, Booper gets the gun out of the glove box and he pulls it on Ray. But Ray also has a gun. This is a very exciting scene. Real quick. And Ray highlight, oh, highlight Booper coming out of the car with the gun, please. Okay. Thank oh, you. Goodness. Yeah, I know. Right off the bat. I, I, how was, uh, how's the ink doing in your highlighter? Is it, uh, <laughs> it's I hope... all ready to go. Oh, good. good. Is that a fresh highlighter? I hope yeah. it's, <laughs> I was like, I was thinking to myself while I was watching this episode, I was like, should I just go ahead and pre highlight everything in this episode? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so Ray also has a gun and Ray's gun has bullets unlike <laughs> Booper's gun. <laughs> and Ray shoots Booper and then out of the darkness uh, these figures like basically fade into view and these are the same figures that we've seen before. We've seen one the when jail cell. we saw one in the jail cell uh, we saw one um in the morgue and uh i am going to call these figures woodsmen from now on um the subtitles called them woodsmen so i think okay. that's a good i think that's a good right. name All my right, first so thought when i saw them coming out because they're kind of wearing big jackets and at first i thought they were all pirates like <laughs> big pirate jackets and i was like okay 
Okay. okay. And then I saw they weren't going pirates. in a weird direction. <laughs> and then I saw they weren't pirates. And I was like, oh, good. That was almost weird. <laughs> we wouldn't want our Twin Peaks, oh. the return to be weird. Yeah. Um, you know, this show started as like a, a murder mystery in a small town. And <laughs> look where look where we are today. I have real quick too. I don't know if this is a place where we would highlight it. So maybe this is like a margin off to the side, but I have a theory about why I think some Twin Peaks fans or, or people who enjoy the show might not have enjoyed the return as much. Okay. Do so you put that in there and then I'll- yeah. I'll, I'll voice my thoughts. Just something that occurred to me while I was watching the episode. It's a footnote. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. There we go. I'm gonna highlight it. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So out of out of the darkness, these woodsmen kind of fade into view, and they're doing something to Booper. Um, this is this is so funny. I for a couple times in this podcast, I'm going to just read you the notes that I wrote because like I was trying to write down what was happening and I just wrote eating, dancing, repairing, moaning, Bob. Did you and who <laughs> Ray? Go ahead. Real quick, who was um so what I thought. I thought they were like rubbing the wound and rubbing the blood all over the, his face. Were they eating the blood too? I don't know. I don't That's remember. Right. I, just, I don't remember. Any I just eat- have a you- bunch of question marks on this, were on you, my notes. Were you eating? Did you write <laughs> notes about what you're doing? I was eating lunch while I watched. That might've been it. Cause I don't remember any eating. Cause I remember them rubbing it all over him. And then I remember Bob coming out of Booper's belly and then I remember, um, I think he like kind of faded away and they kind of patted the earth a like lot. Oh, go ahead. Okay. They, but then like, cause they're fading in and out and there's like these flashes mm-hmm. and um, immediately, cause I think this is important immediately Ray, not only would this be surprising, like, Oh, look at all these men, but I don't think that's what Ray can see. I think it's something else. And immediately he's like, he is uh, so highlight that um, immediately he is like, terrified horrified yeah by what is going on he is watching in horror imagine imagine how confused he would have been if they were all they're all pirates right (laughs) he would have been like this is too much i gotta get out of here um and then he gets in his car he drives away as fast as he can um and the figures kind of dissolve into smoke or haze and there's this shot of the moon um and we see ray he's driving he's on the phone talking to philip and he says he said he's reporting back because i guess philip is the one who asked him to kill booper and he's like i think he's dead but he had help i mean he knows where i'm going so he'll give me if you know, or I'll get him if he shows up there. And then he says something is inside of Cooper and it might be the key to everything. Mm. Yeah, I don't have a theory about that. But if you haven't already, go highlight the woodsman for me. Okay. Um, yeah, just general woodsman knowledge, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. 
Um, the Roadhouse is proud to present the nine inch nails. Um, <laughs> so funny moment, Amanda was, so Amanda had come downstairs, not to watch the show with me, but she just happened to be around and she was in the kitchen when this part came on, happy to present the nine inch nails. And Amanda calls out, she goes, is it really them? And I was like, how would I know? <laughs> I said, is that a real, I said, is that a real band? And she was like, yeah, it is. I said, okay, I wouldn't know them on site. I wouldn't know them at all. You know? <laughs> No, that's what I was about to ask you. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you know, first of all, it's the band is called Nine Inch Nails, not the Nine Inch Nails. Um, oh. But um, I, do you, are you familiar at all with the music of Nine Inch Nails? Um, the first thing that um, struck me was all of their um, fingernails were surprisingly short. <laughs> I expected much longer nails, um, but no, I'm not familiar at all. No. Nine Inch Nails was a, um, uh, is actually a very famous band and they were very, um, they were very big in the nineties, which is like when I was coming up and I had the biggest crush on Trent Reznor, who is the lead singer of Nine Inch Nails. And, um, I, I really enjoyed their music uh, back in the day. And so I was very excited when Nine Inch Nails showed up at the roadhouse. What is, well, I'm sure that blew your mind. That'd be for me, like if if Lady Gaga did a guest appearance, right? Or something. Um, Or Alan Watts like showed up as a ghost. Um, What is the most famous Nine Inch Nails song that I would hear? Like, no. Because if they really are that famous, I should know. Because even Dark Side of the Moon, I knew at least two of those songs. I had heard two of them before. I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, Google Nine Inch Nails and see like what's the first song that comes okay. up. And then you, yeah. um, I think you'll have to sing it for us so that I, <laughs> so that I, um, if you could do that um, for us, please. <laughs> All right. So when I look them up on Apple Music. The first song that pops up is the song Closer. Okay, give me a um, second. Here, wait, I think I know that song. Closer, my name is Trevor. Is it Resner? Resner. No, how close am I? <laughs> Tess had a crush on me and my nails are too long. How close am I to the actual song? You're not close at all. Should I play a little bit for you? Would I recognize it? Maybe. I can only play a little bit for you because this is a spicy song. Oh. Wait, I'm going to do. Oh, it gets spicy right after that. I can't hear it anymore. Can Can you hear it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Keep it like that. I can't hear it anymore. Oh, no. Oh. Oh, I do know this song. You know this song. I know this song. I know this song. Um, That's probably their most famous song. Oh, well, I guess guess that kind of tells me everything I need to know about them. Thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, Did you, um, another song by them that you might know, um, Mm -hmm. have you, have you heard the song Hurt? It's, it was made. Actually, it was made famous by uh, a cover that Johnny Cash did of the song. No, that's okay. Um, but that's another one of their famous songs. They have they have quite a few 
very famous songs. They get played on the radio and stuff. So, um, oh, yeah, I've, I, I've heard of that. The radio. Yeah. I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> I did just to show, just to illustrate how like, so Amanda says, I live in a bubble and I should never leave my bubble. Don't ever leave your bubble. Cause the other day I walked up to someone and I was like, Hey, um, you like the Olympics, right? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, so are they still, is it still going well? And they're like, it ended. It ended a while ago. Quite a while ago. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, did your team win? And they're like, America? And I was like, yeah, I guess if that's your team, did they win? They're like, yeah, they won a couple times. I was like, good, good. I'm glad. I'm really glad for you guys. So weird. Yeah. Oh, man. Um. Anyways, Nine Inch Nails. By the way, also, I just really love the man who introduces the people at the roadhouse i think he's adorable and i love his pine cone microphone it's really really did cute. they call him in just to introduce the nine inch nails i think so i think that's his job i, I think yeah. he's like the mc at the roadhouse so, so do you think he introduced like um uh the cactus blueberries <laughs> I- <laughs> That's my headcanon. My headcanon is that this man works at the roadhouse and he's mm. the MC. You don't think so. he's involved with like, um, you know. <gasps> oh, no. I hope not. Oh, no, that would make me sad. I, I know. choose to not believe that. I know. He's <laughs> not involved with all that Renault business. Now no. the roadhouse he's is not... proud to present human trafficking. Yeah, like, no, he's <laughs> not involved in the downstairs, only no. the upstairs operation. That's what I like to think. Maybe I... he books the bands. That would be exciting for him. <laughs> that would actually make sense. Like that, so, because why are all these bands like visiting the roadhouse, right? Yeah. I mean, there was music at the roadhouse in the original series as well, but not nearly as diverse a, uh, a lineup. Um, yeah. it was, um, anyways, Nine Inch Nails plays a song called She's Gone Away. And uh, I was also this I mean, this performance, as I mentioned, it brought uh, brought a lot of nostalgic feelings um, uh, for me. And I was watching them play and there's a, a very beautiful woman playing the tambourine in Trent Reznor's band. And I was like, man, I wish that could be me. And I looked her up and she's actually Trent Reznor's wife and they have five kids together. <laughs> So I've really fallen out of touch with uh, with this band. I, I had no idea that he's had this like whole exciting life. That is so weird. 90s. You think I would have known that, but <laughs> I, I anyways, as they conclude their performance, Booper awakens. And he does. He does. And then we are taken to July 16th. 1945 white sands new mexico 5 29 a.m yeah. which immediately i think most viewers would know like where this is going right mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it is um and then this this musical composition begins to play and mm. it is Penderickie's threnody to the victims of hiroshima which is um, which is appropriate because we are slow pushing on a nuclear explosion. So this is obviously the, the test of the uh, nuclear bomb that we eventually drop on Japan during World War II. 
Um, it's also the image in Gordon Cole's office, um, which I'm not sure what the correlation there is. Um, and there's that slow push into the mushroom cloud, mm-hmm. um, which for a moment looked to me a little bit like the evolution of the arm, you know, like that, that kind of brain thing. Um, I don't know if there's a correlation there. I do. Um, I had, I looked up a lot of stuff, uh, during this episode. Cause I, it was just like, it was just, it was just striking my fancy. My imagination was captured. And mm-hmm. first of all, I wanted to know what a threnody is and it is a, it's a wailing ode, a hymn or poem of mourning as memorial to someone who died. That's what a threnody is. And this particular composition is a composition for 52 string instruments. And um, apparently the composer, Pendericki, was attempting to create a new musical language when he wrote this. And then upon hearing his composition, he then decided he it sounded like terrible screaming and so he dedicated it to the victims of hiroshima um just a little extra information for you there I um, and then what happens next is very difficult for me to describe there's just a lot of imagery again i'm gonna read to you my notes mm-hmm. um eating stat- static smoke fire explosions light color movement do you have anything to add um no i think that sums it up there's a couple of really cool effects um i think i've mentioned before how the show's had some really so far some really cool like special and practical effects where i i don't really know how it's being done or what's going on there's two in particular that happened at this time one is um it's kind of like a white background with um black like wavy and swirly lines that one's really cool because it's almost oh there's a couple actually that that one's really cool because it almost looks like um like uh wavelengths of of sound but they're moving erratically like not in the right way and then they're instead of it being in the line they're kind of like curling in on themselves so they also kind of have the effect of kind of looking like um like uh, strands of hair under a microscope or something living moving around and then another really cool effect is um it is when they have oh it's black background with the white dots and they they look like they're kind of swirling almost like snow but then at the same time they look like white just like white dots moving either towards or away from the camera it's really Really cool. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Some of this uh, to me was a bit reminiscent of the tree of life. The Terrence Malick joint uh, that you and I uh, both really enjoy. Um, It sort of reminded me of that. Uh, And then we've got a convenience store. And again, here's my notes, lights, smoke, flashing, figures popping in and out of focus um, as the woodsmen are going kind of in and out of the convenience store. And the, a convenience store, if you recall, Leaf, uh, has, a, has some significance to the world of Twin Peaks. Uh, Jeffrey's referred to a room above a, conveni- a convenience store 
where there was a, a gathering. If you oh. recall in Fire Walk with me, that gathering of like, there's Bob and the little man slash the arm and Mrs. Tremond and Cream Corn Kid and the jumping man. And there was a woodsman in that was, movie. I if you recall, that. my theory was that that might have been um, the log lady's husband, uh, the only other woodsman that I knew of. Um, but now I don't I don't think that he would that someone who was married to Margaret Lanterman would be involved in this sort of thing. Um, and if I remember and- correctly, the woodsman in from fire walk with me that was in that room he's moving his arm up and down in a um like uh time is irregular kind of fashion like up and down reverse up and down which is how the woodsmen pretty much always move like they're snapping back and forth in time you know yeah so i think that's a great idea yeah and i did notice on the convenience store there are stairs but they seem to go nowhere um as just something i noticed uh, and then we see <laughs> the faceless female figure. I believe that's her from from previous episodes. She's sort of floating in 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 nothingness, and she kind of like vomits. Can you out. Um, highlight <laughs> the faceless female figure for me, please? Yes. And her vomit. And her vomit. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's like, there's stuff coming out of her. There's like these orbs. And one of the orbs contains Bob, the -hmm. face of Bob. Um, And then there's kind of like red orbs and it feels like we're traveling. And then we see that purple ocean. Do you remember the last time we saw a purple ocean? It was a few parts ago. Was it three? I don't know what episode. Yeah, three? I think it was part three. And I don't know if this is supposed to be the same purple ocean. Um, but we kind of slow zoom to like a mountain, an island, and then there's a mountain on the island, and then there's a building, and then there's a doorway, and then we're in a a room that doorway leads to this room and i believe it's the same room from part one like the very beginning of the return when uh cooper is talking to the giant Mm -hmm. um or as he's listed in the credits question mark question mark question mark question mark question mark um and there's a there's a beautiful woman in a shimmery dress um by the way, we should mention all of this is in black and white, pretty much like the rest of the episodes in black and white. And she's listening to uh, like a gramophone and she's kind of swaying and she's listening to the music. And this character I is actually looking- um, I thought it was a I tried to stop myself. I'm sorry. Um, I actually thought it was a grandpa phone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I can't. I can't control myself. Can't stop the dad jokes. They just come out. <laughs> Maybe it was a grandpa phone. You ever think about that? Okay, continue, please. I'm so sorry. This character is listed in the credits as Senorita Dido. So that is what we will call her. Dido? Died Senorita Dido. Is she um, a goddess from your book by chance? You were just telling me about a book of goddesses. I know. Give me one second. <laughs> Give me one second. Maybe I'm trying to, 
I'm trying to um while you while you look for that, I'll continue. Um, please. There's an alarm that starts going off, and there's a like a giant bell in the room, and there's lights flashing, and then who should appear from behind the bell is this giant, the giant. We'll just keep calling him the giant for now until we find out what we're supposed to call him. Um, and he appears to be looking at us did you get that sense of like breaking the fourth wall i do he kind of stands and and looks at us for a while yeah Um, yeah i was and then yeah and then he and well and i don't know if he was looking at us or beyond us but it reminded me of that scene in the original series where cooper looks directly at us and breaks the fourth wall and speaks to us um uh did you have some information about dido to share with us oh um yeah you probably looked this up before but just a quick wikipedia search um the trojan hero aeneas tells dido of the trojan war in aeneid dido falls in love with aeneas and is heartbroken when he leaves and that sounds very familiar to i think what happens in this episode right when the giant leaves um, he turns around and disables the alarm and then he kind of disappears beyond behind it. And, um, and then he ascends a staircase. Um, this whole building looks to me like an old cinema, like an old fashioned cinema. Um, and there is a screen projecting basically the footage we just watched. So we see the nuclear test, we see the woodsman, and then there's kind of, he pauses when Bob appears on the screen. Can you um, highlight this place that we're at and then the giant and um, what was the first part of her name? Something Dido, Countess? Senorita Dido. Senorita Dido. Yeah. Okay. Gorgeous then, woman. Gorgeous. Beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Uh, he, the giant begins to levitate and they're like lights flashing. Senorita Dido approaches. There's this really great scene. I love of like her shadow in a spotlight. I love that. Um, and then the screen changes to like a scene of like what looks like maybe outer space. Um, and then a gold light begins to swirl from the giant's head and an orb emerges from this gold light and floats down to her. And in it is Laura's school photo. (laughs) She has, um, she has Senorita Dido has like a look of like awe and astonishment on her face as the giant is levitating and as the gold's coming out and as as the golden ball comes down and she uh gives the the little orb a little smooch she gives it a kiss she kisses it and then she like releases it and it goes into some sort of tubular structure Mm -hmm. and then the and then it looks as though it gets sent to earth like earth appears on the projector screen and it goes into the screen do me a favor and highlight the projector screen okay um, highlight um i think i've already told you to highlight dido and giant highlight mm-hmm. the fact that laura's ball is gold for me, okay please. 
Yeah. There's All a right. period too before this when we're seeing a lot of the space and cosmos and stuff like that where we see a gold ball. Um, similar to this one. It doesn't have Laura's face in it, but we see something similar. That's true. We yeah. did. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, and now we are taken to 19, August 5th, 1956 in the New Mexico desert. What was the first year? I mean, how many, is it three years later? No, the first, the first year, the test was in 1945. Oh, thank you. 11 years later. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. There is an egg hatching and a creature emerges. You know what I thought was going to come out of that egg, right? (laughs) What? What did I think was going to come out of that egg? I have no idea. Watching this show. And after watching Twin Peaks, what was the the thing that was like, oh, of course that would come out of that egg. Okay, well, highlight it and I'll fill you in. <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, I know. Um, well, whatever um, you thought was going to come out, did you think it was going to be a frog bug? Which uh, is what I, I'm calling this creature. Such a wonderful creature design, right? Like it is so cool yeah it's like a moth it's kind of like a really big fly kind of and it's got like a long frog body um it comes out of the egg and and kind of crawls away leaving a trail right like Mm -hmm. a viscous slime or blood trail probably like mucus or something you know like a snail slash roach slash frog very cool yes um there's a young couple walking um and very cute uh, interactions very cute a little dose of cozy in this episode very cozy and they're um they're talking about some song that they heard and she's like yeah i like that song they're probably talking about nine inch nails i think (laughs) (laughs) and the girl finds a penny and it's heads up which means she's gonna have good luck which is very exciting what happens next does not seem so lucky the a, a woodsman appears in the dark he, desert. He just, he just floats down, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he just fl- yeah, and then and he walks out into the road and stops a car. And whenever he whenever he's doing anything, it's in slow motion, and there's this kind of crackling sound. And he just keeps repeating the phrase "got a light," "got," and he has an unlit cigarette in his mouth (laughs) i kept thinking if he keeps terrorizing and killing people he's never going to get that cigarette lit i mean (laughs) that's not how you get things you want more uh you know you got to be kind to people um highlight highlight um got a light okay thank you amanda Um, was watching this i i think she started watching it with me probably about hmm maybe a little bit before we see Senorita Dido and, and through most of this episode, she was like, Oh, so that's that. Like it was like to her, she was like, really? Oh, I hear. I, yeah. She was like, so that's clearly that. Right. And I was like, Oh, wow. and she was like, so that's that. Right. And I get into it later. That's that. And then, but at this part, she was like, why are they stopping? Don't stop. Never stop. You know? Right. Well, it's the fifties. Yeah. I think people were a lot more trusting back then. And you know, see this guy, he looks like he needs help. Um, and uh, but the couple in the car quickly 
terrified of this interaction and they swerve and drive away quickly. Um, just real quick, I want to give out a shout out to the actor who plays the main woodsman in this um, this episode. His name is Robert Broski, and he's an Abe Lincoln impersonator. Um, and she found a penny which has Abe Lincoln on it. I don't know if there's any correlation, but <laughs> did Abe Lincoln smoke? He probably did. <laughs> a pipe, right? Probably, yeah. Um, give me one second. Let me process this. <laughs> I need a pro- I need to process this. I don't know if you noticed any resemblance. Um, you can you can if you just Google Robert Broski, he does look incredibly like Abraham Lincoln. Is he still an active impersonator? I, I believe so. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, the young couple, we they're walking and talking some more. And she says, you live by the school. And he's like, how did you know that? She's like, I just did. Um, which I was, I was like, does she have a premonition or is she like kind of stalking him? Cause she has a crush on him. I don't know. Um, And we find out that he's no longer going with Mary and he's not sad about it. And uh, she says, thank you for walking me home. And then he asks for a good night kiss and she lets him give her a good night. A little smooch. (laughs) Oh, smooch on the lips, but it's a little kiss. It was um, a very cute scene. And when he says he's not sad about it, she says, that's good. Like about three or four times. That's good. That's good. Mm, That's good. That's good. And he goes, can I give you a kiss? Oh, so cute. Yeah, it's very sweet. I the juxtaposition between like the cuteness of the young couple and the sheer terror of the woodsman's like reign of, of, of the, the homicide. Wood, the woodsman <laughs> made me think a oh. Uh-oh. Okay. I ho- let me write that down. Here I got my pen. Uh this uh cover, you don't need to highlight anything new because we'll just get into it when we talk about the woodsman. All right. Okay. All right. Oh my goodness. Did you take, did you make your note? I wrote it down. So I don't forget. He's walking towards a radio station and the song, my prayer by the platters is playing. And you get this kind of little montage of people in the town are listening to the radio. Like there's a a guy who's working on a car. He's, and then there's a a waitress and a diner. Pre-Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pre-Spotify, so. Yeah, they didn't have Apple Music back then. Uh, um, they just had apples. <laughs> if they were lucky, am I right? <laughs> they didn't get kicked off by Balthazar Giddy. Um, and they're, and the girl uh, from the, the Young Lovers, she's, she's listening to the radio. Mm-hmm. The woodsman enters the station and uh, asks... Oh. She's while she's listening to radio, she's sitting on the bed and she's like got a little smile on her face. She's thinking about that guy, right? Yeah. She had a really sweet night and he seems she's like a real about sweet that boy. Kiss and, yeah. she, and you know, he was so dreamy, and now this dreamy song is on the radio. And he was like so respectful, you know, he's a good yeah. kid. Yeah, she found that penny. Ooh. What a great night she was having. Mm-hmm. And then so this the woodsman asks the secretary if she's got a light and then he kind of immediately like like crunches her head in and mm-hmm. then and then he goes to the DJ next and he's got his 
his head in his hands and you hear this record scratch and he turns the mic on. How did he know like which button to make the mic live? I don't know. But um, he used to be a DJ and when <laughs> DJ, this is DJ Woodsman. Uh, do you <laughs> got a light? <laughs> but then he says something new. Yeah, he does say something new. This is what he says. This is the water and this is the well drink full and descend. The horse is the white of the eyes and dark within. And then he just repeats that several times and then we get a montage of all the people listening collapsing like the guy working on his car falls over a lady in the diner falls over a little little young girls like i'm suddenly very tired i'm going to lay down um and um just by the way there's a horse in this quote and horse is like a a symbol that we've seen in twin peaks before i believe Um, last time we talked to the horse i said the horse was sarah palmer's doppelganger yes you Mm -hmm. connected the horse to sarah Mm -hmm. palmer which i find very interesting um yes i know um i'm an incredible human being (laughs) (laughs) i can't deny it (laughs) um the frog bug is still crawling and we find his final destination is the girl's house and he flies through her open window and crawls into her mouth and she swallows the frog butt a great scene it's really good you know (laughs) it is um well gross (laughs) not only does not there's a few small details here um is that it goes up to her mouth and then she opens wide. She opens her mouth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So great. Um, willingly accepts the frog bug into her mouth and it crawls yes, and down. She, and, and she swallows it. Into mm-hmm. her esophagus. And then I'm guessing if you follow that path down into her belly, which is important, right? Are we on the same page Maybe. with this, right? Maybe. I think, I think, I think we are. Think we might be. I, think we might I actually be. thought, um, which by the way, well, I don't want... Great episode, but I actually thought this gave us close to a lot of answers, to be honest. Not maybe not all of them, but like there are a few things I was like, oh yeah, okay, so that's a that. Okay. I, I texted you uh earlier today and I said, Hey, are we still on a record today? And you were like, Yes, I have all the answers now. <laughs> how do you like, like my, oh my gosh? I like my pictures of uh mine and David Lynch's um where, collaboration? not send me any more photos of I know. your collaboration with you. I know they're terrifying, right? How about that one with the child, the child doll with the eyes? The, oh, where did you even find that? <laughs> did you see you saw that one? So that yeah. was we, we went to Great Wolf Lodge like months ago and they have like this animatronic um thing, like a show, like you know, moving animals. Yeah, and, like uh, and a puppets. Chuck E. Cheese. Thank you. And anyway, they have this <laughs> barrel that just had a big blanket over it. I was like, I wonder why there's a blanket over it. Well, apparently the kid puppet is like broken. So when you uh-huh. lift it up, you just see like this child's face with its eyes rolled back in its head. And um, anyway, I took I had to take a picture of it. It was such a great image. How about that one of the pineapple? <laughs> I you know what? Uh if you follow us on Twitter. I'm going to I'm going to post some of these photos for everyone to enjoy because I I got to enjoy them today. And so everyone should enjoy these disturbing photos that Leaf sent me today. Did you you recognize the the angry woman? No, because I sent the pineapple and then there was that angry woman with her eyes shut. 
Yeah. Who yeah. Is okay. That? that was that was my mom. <laughs> I thought it was your mom, but I was like, what a what a weird like, and that that can't be the lovely Donna. Like, it cannot be. As this is like the worst photo of her ever taken. The, the origin so- of that photo is that um, <laughs> once she was at my sister's house and she said, uh, "Do I have something in my teeth?" And she did this. I don't know why her eyes are closed. And um, my sister took a picture of her. So it's this weird for listeners. And you know what? Feel free to share it. Tess. I'm it's not going to post that one. No, <laughs> is, out of respect and admiration she for is Donna. making this horrifying face. So she's got these little like her mole eyes. Like her eyes are shut like little mole eyes. Like she's never seen the sun. And anyway, every once in a while she'll text me and she'll be like, you know, hey, I love you. You're such a great son. And I'll just text back that photo. <laughs> I feel like I love you too. And, like, um, and then that black and white one was Freya. And I don't remember the other ones, but yeah, I just tried to, I went through my phone and I was like, I got a lot of weird, creepy, creepy photos. photos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just found that pineapple in the parking garage. It's just someone left oh, for listeners. Like a There's a melted pineapple. Yeah, it's a pineapple. Someone just left standing up. So the pointy <laughs> side is up in a parking garage and it started decomposing from the bottom up so it looks like a perfectly fine pineapple but when you look closer you realize it's flattened and the I don't, they're not scales what are they called like the you know what i mean the the shape of the the pieces that make up the pineapple are yes, like spread, I know they're like yeah. spread out like somehow it's liquefying but the outside is still solid anyway i sent tess yeah. some creepy photos and she wants me to send her more so i'll be happy to <laughs> Yeah, so follow at same team y'all on Twitter so that you can um, you can see these uh, photos that Leaf was sending me, you know, just to get in the mood for recording about this very strange episode this evening. Um, the woodsman then, uh, upon finishing his broadcast, uh, crushes the DJ's skull and then exits the station, walks into the dark, and you hear a horse in the distance whinnying Mm -hmm. and the credits roll over the image of the sleeping girl. And that is the end of the episode. It makes perfect sense to me. (laughs) It makes perfect sense. Um, Shall we, shall we discuss these so many mysteries? Maybe. Oh, Okay, what do we have? What do we what have we used our highlighter on today? All right. The very first highlight I have is um Booper's gun. He gets the gun out to pull on Ray. Yes. So I think Booper was trying to figure out how is he gonna get this information from Ray? He was like, Am I gonna shoot him? Am I gonna use some smarts? Am I gonna threaten him? And I think he decided to go ahead and take his life because. Ray was going pee outside. Cooper loves to pee outside so much, which means Booper hates it when people pee outside. So when Ray decided <laughs> to pee outside, Booper was like, uh-uh, I'm going to shoot you. That's my theory. That was your theory about that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to just talk about Woodsman? You know what? I would love to talk about Woodsman. Okay, so um, let's just get into it. I think this is this is going to be another one where we're going to bounce around a little bit. But I think the Woodsman 
are from another dimension, another realm of existence. Um, and I think if Booper personifies like um, uncontrolled, like rage and lust and pleasure, um, I think the woodsman um, represents uh, non-existence, like nothingness, mm -hmm. right? Like the, okay. the anti-tree was talking about. And I think it's from another uh, dimension. I think the woodsmen, whenever they're around, I think it affects time. Time slows down and time moves back and forth in erratic ways. And I think when people see the woodsmen, um, I think they don't just see him. They see something that they can't even understand. Like when an ant gets to the edge of the road, there's nothing in their mind that they could ever understand as to what this is. Or when, um, trying to think of something, when a baby is born and they see like a face for the first time, what the heck am I looking at? I think that's what it is. And I think there's something that's terrifying people because I think people, I mean, it, it is scary, like guys showing up, but I think it, there's something that's happening to people that is like terrifying them or affecting them in some way. Um, and this is my thought earlier. I was like, who does the woodsman make me think of? And I was like, I think the woodsman makes me think of Smith from the Matrix oh, trilogy. Agent Smith. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, well, specifically that character after he becomes unplugged. So for anyone who knows this, uh, Agent Smith becomes simply known as Smith after he ceases to be an agent and then becomes a virus within the system, which is ironic because he claimed that humans were a virus in the first movie. And so now he's become a computer virus himself. Anyway, because wherever Smith is, there's always more Smiths. And for some reason, this woodsman, rarely does he travel by himself. It always seems that he appears and then there's more woodsmen. You know, sometimes there's more. Um, and so I think he represents non-existence, the absence of nothing, um, like the absence of things, so nothingness. And I think somehow he can infect other people and terrify them. And somehow, I don't know um, the significance behind um the thing that he said over the radio somehow it means something to him which maybe we'll never know you know because he probably wouldn't understand anything we say either like that wouldn't make sense to him either um because we believe in existence for the most part um now god of light i think is important because i think god of light he's looking for the golden ball that is Laura Palmer, I think, because mm. it's, it's a light and he's, he's nothing. He's not light. He's not even darkness. He's nothingness. Okay. What's our next note? Cause I'm going to try to at least stick to the notes. Cause I can keep going. Cause this is, this was an episode, man. Um, I think you covered that. Mm -hmm. Oh, did you want to talk about why you think fans of the original Twin oh. Peaks might not like the return? I could be wrong, but I think cause <laughs> you really touched on it when you were like, can you imagine this started off as like a crime drama? <laughs> and I think, I think for some people, and I could be wrong, but I can imagine this could be true for some people. I think some people might watch it and be like, I'm really into the, the, the cozy and I'm into the, the setting and I'm into the crime drama. And every time something weird happens, I'm just like, well, that's a weird thing. And then I move on with my life. I think the ratio to weird to regular, if we're to use the word regular, <laughs> in the return compared to um, the original is way more towards weird, <laughs> un untraditional um, filmmaking, right? Storytelling, like, yes. At least the other one, I imagine you can take Twin Peaks, the original, 
and you could probably do like a super cut and there might be one exists that's just makes it look like a drama like just you cut out the red room you cut out this and you still have pretty much a show um this one i don't think you can do that so my theory is that people who enjoyed those parts of it now they have a lot of the weird stuff and you know what i mean if you came for the 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 crime drama like if you're like ooh who did kill um um briggs and what's the head and all that what's the mystery like this this wasn't the show <laughs> david lynch didn't make the show with that in mind that's not a focus of the show so that's my theory anyway mm-hmm. yeah true i mean i do remember watching this and just being so flabbergasted like when i first saw this i was like literally what is happening right now like i feel like now i've watched it a few times and i've had a lot of time to think about it and i have much more of an appreciation for it but i remember when this was happening like when i was watching this i had never seen anything like this before on television or anywhere else and so so two thoughts about this episode um one is i was i'm watching it and you know about halfway through probably um that scene in front of the convenience store where the woodsmen, there's just like a lot of them and they're zipping back and forth and the smoke and, and it it's lingering like this show, like I'm going to just linger on the smoke for 30 seconds and then something will happen. Like I'm sitting there and I'm just like, this is, this is artwork in the purest form. This is, this is like, in my opinion, close to the peak of filmmaking. I mean, really like there are no rules here. And that's what art is. Art is like, oh, what is role? No, forget about it. You think art, you think this is meant to entertain you? No, this is something else, something new. And I'm in, uh, I was, I'm in love with it. It's phenomenal. But having said that, after all the hype about episode eight, I, I know that this was epic and it was huge in scope, especially for something from Twin Peaks. But man, for me, I was like, at the end, I was like, oh, well, that was, that was pretty tame. I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> I don't know. I, cause just the way people talked about it, you know, I mean, I still, you know what I mean? I felt like we got questions, some new questions, but I feel like we got some answers. I don't know. Anyway, that was just my impression. So I feel like, um, I know we're talking about like, we got answers and we haven't really talked about those yet, but, yeah. um, I feel like when I was watching this, I did not feel like I was getting yeah. answers. I feel like I felt like I was just like, what is happening? I'm so confused. <laughs> I was already confused. Now I'm further confused. And I will say, like, since watching this Twin Peaks The Return, I've seen weirder stuff. Like, yeah. if you love this, you should definitely watch the TV show Legion. Um, You've talked about Legion. Yeah. I have talked about Legion before, and I will always talk about the TV show Legion because that to me was like, oh, did you think Twin Peaks The Return was weird? Hold my beer because I've got something really weird for you. Um, so now I've like seen weirder stuff, and I feel like maybe it's not as epic as I thought it once was, but. Yeah, when I first saw this, I it blew my mind, like for real. Not just, not just. Well, the scope is is so big too, right? Um, but like also the effects, like it's very effects heavy this episode, and they're not just like here's a CG like dinosaur or something. Like they're like really like unique. Like there was a part where I'm sitting there, and it's not like you ever see the movie um, Inception. Yes. Or even like we talked about this recently, Tenet, both Christopher Nolan movies. There are parts in both of those movies when I watched them originally and I was like, 
I don't know how they're doing this. Like, is that, is this CG? Is that practical? What is happening? And, and usually it's somehow a mix of both or something. There was moments in this episode where I was like, I don't even know. Like there's some parts where there's like the rainbow clouds and the bloom. I was like, okay, that's probably CG. But then like those other effects, I was like, is that just like paper <laughs> that's yeah. moving? Yeah. Like, what is, is this stop motion? What is this? And it was just like, so cool. And I had a moment where I was like, I had a moment where, cause I was piecing things together. What I, my interpretation, I was like, if I, cause I immediately thought that Ray, when he saw the woodsman, didn't know what he was looking at. Like, what am I looking at? And it's terrifying. And I was like, that's what I'm supposed to be feeling. Like, what am I looking at? And it's kind of scary. You know, it's really cool. Um, anyway, that was my theory about the, uh, oh, and just real quick too, is um, a part of this episode was spoiled for me a little bit. This is years ago. This is probably before we even started the, this is back when I was on Facebook, probably pre St. Peaks, y'all. Um, and a, a mutual friend of ours had posted on Facebook um, with some opinions about the episode saying, um, I don't know what's something to the effect of, I don't know what's a, well, I don't know what's entertaining about staring at an atomic blast for 10 minutes. And that's all I saw. And I, this is before I even knew anything about Twin Peaks, but for a long time in my head, my head canon was that, and this could still happen, but that Twin Peaks, the town itself was nuked is what I thought. Uh, so I was preparing okay. myself for that. And now I'm <laughs> guessing I saw the thing, which by the way, staring at the actual plume, not 10 minutes. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Who was our friend who posted that? Hmm. hmm. It was, um, <laughs> it was, uh, Mr. Was John. Mr. John. <laughs> yeah. It was Mr. John, which great, great guy, but maybe like, and also, like you said, like, I don't think it's meant to be like, Oh, did you have a good time? This isn't the show to like sit down and have a good time. Um, or uh, did you get any answers? I don't think that's even the point either. You know, like David Lynch exists in a realm beyond answers you know yeah um, it, it got to a point where like brett and i would sit down every sunday evening to watch the show and like anything that would happen we would look at each other and be like what do you think that meant <laughs> be like I, a shot of a tree and we're like what does it mean <laughs> well i think there are there could be answers but i think it's more interpretations right you know and and yes i think too is that it's i had moments too in this episode and other ones before where i was like this feels like a dream in such a good way, not just a dream sequence, but it feels like a dream. Like there are no rules, you know? Put a pin in that. Put yeah. a pin in that feeling. Okay, I will. Um, the, face- <laughs> the faceless female figure and her vomit. What do you yeah. have to say about her? Um, let's take a step back because I think I forgot to highlight this. Um, the atomic bomb. Yeah. I think the atomic bomb, the first one, I think is what tore a hole in our universe between our world. Um, so between all the worlds, which right now we're running out of fingers to count them, but we've got the twin peaks <laughs> universe, which is similar to ours, but not the same as mm-hmm. evidenced by the um, weird idioms, I- idioms, idioms, and um, technology. Um, we have our real world where David Lynch created twin peaks. Um, we have maybe the world with the red curtains, we probably have the world where um, the giant is from and Senorita Dido, which I also think is the same world where Cooper went to that one time, but I don't think the same place within that world. I think it's another building. Um, and then we also have, um, is that all of them? I think there's another place we, we might not have seen yet. The convenience um, store, is that a separate room or maybe, separate world? Essentially, I think there's a place where Bob comes from. I think there's a place where the giant comes from. 
I think there's a place where um, Mike comes from. And then I think there's our place. And I think there's, or our real world. And I think there's a Twin Peaks place. And then I think there's a place where the woodsman comes from. I don't think the woodsman oh, okay. and Bob come from the same place. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, the faceless, female faceless form figure, I think <laughs> is Bob's mom. I think that's Bob's mom. I think she personifies um, hate and rage and lust and passion. And um, I think the opposite of those things is nothingness, right? Like, I don't think it's a good versus evil per se. I think it is a um, Mm -hmm. sensation versus no sensation an everything versus nothing. And I think Bob is the everything, right? Like Bob wants to kill and he wants to, have sexy times and he wants to murder and he wants to consume, you know, and he doesn't need anything, but he wants everything. I want everything. Why did my show only get, I'm going on a rant. Give me a second. Why did my show only get two seasons? I want more. I want more. Why did my Starbucks, why did they stop making the coffee? I want, I want more. Right. I think that's what Bob personifies. And I think the woodsman personifies nothing. So I don't think it's a Bob versus good. I think it's everything versus nothing. Okay. That's where I'm at. Okay. Uh, And I think Garvin Boja, the, was it the pain or, or what is it? What is that? Suffering? Suffering. Suffering. I think that's what's coming out of his mom's mouth. And I think he, Uh. he was birthed from that. And I think, I think all those little eggs are little Bob's or Bob type things but one of them had Bob in it um, is what I think. Okay. So that brings us to that point. Senorita Dido and Giant. You want to talk about them? My headcanon, they're married. They're in love. They are somehow, they seem to be supreme. Like they are the watchers. They watch over all the universes. Um, That seems to be what the little alarm is. And it looks like we haven't had a breach in the universes in a long time because the giant is looking around like, what is that? What is that noise? Oh, there's a button here. Let me hit that. And he kind of looks at us because I think he can, I think that was him showing like he can, because on that screen, I think you can see all the universes, right? Um, And you couldn't show me on the screen, right? Right. Like for that, for that metaphor to work. I would have had to see myself on that screen for him to see me. Right. See what I mean? And right. you, you should have, you would have had to see yourself myself. on the screen, which, you know, that's not possible. So to, to, to um, illustrate that fact, he looked at us, I see you and I see all the fictional universes. Right. Um, and so there was a brief, Oh, real quick. Um, take a few steps back the atomic bomb that I think poked a hole between all the universes. I think that's what the camera work was trying to show us. Like we were zooming into the atom bomb and then we're zooming down to the atoms and then we're zooming even smaller and then we're zooming through it. And those squiggly lines, like that's just zipping through through the barriers of the universe. And I, I think it would be interesting to look at those images again and try to see like, this image seems to be like a view of that world. And this image seems to be a view of that world. Cause you're kind of like, if everything's layered, right? Like you're kind of passing through mesh. Um, anyway, the giant hits the button and he goes to the screen and he can see everything on the screen. And he seems to have made a decision. And he's like, I need to, I guess, stop this or do something and levitates. And, um, 
and uh, out of the gold comes uh, Laura Palmer. So two things about this. One is I think that gold ball is significant. I think the gold ball that comes out of him that has Laura in it is somehow tied to the little gold nuggets that the little boxes turn into and that Dougie had in them. And I, I don't want to say that it, it represents like goodness or pureness because I, I, I was actually really surprised that in the show they use the phrase bad Bob because like good and bad seems so like like David's beyond that you know what I mean like the idea mm-hmm. of good and bad but I mean it was okay so anyway let me continue the thought so anyway I think Laura Palmer what was inside of her was a bit of the giant I think is what was inside of her and for whatever reason the giant took a piece of himself out and sent it to our earth and for some reason maybe the giant can't actually visit our earth for that long or something like that i mean he looks like he goes to our earth right what happens to him in the scene because we see the we don't uh, he levitates and then that's it we don't really get a follow-up on that yeah when we first see the woodsman like in the real world or the you know the black and white world and he's landing i thought that was the giant but i mean we've seen the giant in the twin peaks world before but not for that long. And so, and usually only to Coop, right? Yes. He yeah. appeared to Coop and he appeared as that, um, the, the, the guy who works in the hotel. Like who the bellman kind of guy. Yeah. 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 So I think he can kind of communicate to Coop, but I, he can't visit the earth. So his way to circumnavigate that is to take a piece of himself out and send it to earth. Um, and she was saying goodbye. I love you. And send it up into the little oh. tube. And then one thing that I think is really neat is our earth on the screen is um, two dimensional. It's a flat image. So to, to him, it's a flat image to us. It's three dimensional to illustrate if we went to his world, it's I don't know, fifth dimensional or, you know, it's something we can't even comprehend. So he shoots the ball in and the ball flattens and now it's in the screen and that's where it goes. And, and from there, I don't know where the ball goes. If it goes into Sarah Palmer, you know, or into Leland's sperms, who knows? Like, it, or does it, it seems like it wouldn't go into Laura or maybe the ball is going to seek out Laura. I'm not too sure. Cause I think where the giants are like time, doesn't mean anything right you know i don't know um i think that's where we're at what's our next note the old cinema the place where they are i was just gonna say i i think that's the same yeah i think it's the same world um the technology look kind of similar as far as like weird kind of like bulky electronics um semi kind of future futuristic but really old-timey i think that matches the decor of um where Coop went. Um, and yeah. Um, what do you have to say about that egg hatching and the frog bug? So the egg and the frog bug is, should we say at the same time? Bob, right? Oh. So my first thought was that egg um, looks like all the little kernels of, gar- to me anyway, Garbin Boja that come out of her mouth. Because the Bob one looks like a circle, but the other ones kind of look like little nuggets, little kernels or something. So my first thought was, so the atom bomb blew a little hole in there and uh, um, his mom, such a sweet lady, starts vomiting up the suffering. And one of those little nuggets gets through and it lands in our world and hatches. And I, oh, the thing I thought was going to- What did you ca- think it was going you. to be? I thought it was going to be an owl, right? Oh, 
Thank you. Thank you. I thought for sure. I was like, here's the owl, but it wasn't, it was a frog moth. I was wrong. I was off by, <laughs> by a lot. Um, so I think, I think one of those little nuggets of hatred of everything of pleasure of, you know, came out. Um, and I also think um, another person who came in through that hole was um, uh, the woodsman. You know, I think he came through as well. The thing that's interesting is that the atom bomb popped and then like 11 years later, these things show up, but we don't know how, you know, time and travel works. It could be anything. That vomit okay. was in slow motion. So it could have been taken forever. Um, so I think that little critter is Bob and he's wandering around and to take it to conclusion, he goes into that woman's mouth and somehow, cause we kind of know he can kind of go, we don't know the process into other people's bodies. Um, and I think he was in this woman and eventually somehow he went to someone else. And then he was into that person who flicked matches at Leland as a little kid. And then he went into Leland. Yeah. Look at your eyes. I know wow. all the answers are right there. Yeah. So anyway, that was easy. Interesting. That's what I think. Do I have any other highlights? Um, no, I think that's, I think that's it. Give me one second. Do I have it all? Oh, the biggest mystery is the horse. I don't really know. Right. So I'll tell you what my interpretation of it was when I watched it, but it doesn't make any sense. So you can throw it out, but I'll just tell you when I was watching it, I was like, is this what's happening? Um, this is like when I was first watching it, because I like what you said about how there aren't any answers or just interpretations. I think there are some people out there, fans in the community who feel they do have the answers, who feel they figured it out and um, will like almost like get offended if you have like another interpretation what or you're, what you're or, describing is uh human nature Tess. yeah or more like a condescending like oh that's cute that that's what you think it is but that's not what it is i know what it really is um when i was watching it i thought that okay so i thought that the bomb going off was like the birth of a new kind of evil Ooh. like there had there'd been evil on the planet before there'd been murder and rape and, and, and all this stuff and genocide. And, but this was a new special tax evasion, (laughs) jaywalking, (laughs) but this was like a new special kind of human engineered evil destruction. and it, yeah. And it spurred the birth of, Bob like he almost like he um embodies that new type of human engineered evil like pure evil and um and then so the faceless female figure whoever she is she created this she's like the she's like the mother of evil mm-hmm. okay which by the way <laughs> When we were reading the secret history of Twin Peaks, if you'll recall, the the man who founded JPL, um, I remember he was going out in the desert and doing sex magic and trying to summon a goddess. Yeah. I, I think that's her. All right. I think that it's connected. I think that's her. She's the mother of evil and she gave birth to Bob and then the giant and Senorita she, she Dido. was summoned by sex remember yeah yeah, yeah. she was hmm. and the giant and Senorita Dido represent 
maybe that's the white lodge, right? Maybe that is the representation of good within this interdimensional battle that's happening. And they created something. They, they, they notice like the alarm goes off when the nuke goes off and when Bob is created. And so they create something to combat Bob and it's Laura. Now that's where I'm at as well. Right. Okay. Now the thing that I, the part that I, so you and I are kind of syncing up there. We are syncing up for the (laughs) most part. part, When it came to the frog bug, I thought maybe the frog bug was Laura because it all happens at the same time, right? Like they send the orb to earth. And then the next thing you see is the egg hatching. And I was like, oh, is, is that kind of like the earthly vessel like maybe it looks like a golden orb in heaven or the white lodge or whatever that is. But like on earth, it looks like this like creature, which I'm saying is ugly, but who am I to say that? Like what, you know, what do I know? Like to, to judge this creature, maybe this is some sort of heavenly creature. And I thought. It does have wings like an angel. Right. And I think the years don't measure up, but I thought that maybe the young girl, the young lover was maybe Sarah. I thought that as well. It's funny because I thought that um, I, well, I thought somehow that would work, but I don't know if that syncs up. It doesn't sync up. The years don't make sense, but I thought it was interesting that earlier in our podcast, you associated the horse with Sarah mm-hmm. and we get more horse imagery in this episode with this young girl and yeah, it makes more sense though, now that you've said that the frog bug is Bob, because the woodsman, I think the I think the point of his transmission was to send the girl into like a hypnotic trance in which she would then swallow the frog bug. Um, which you means- don't think if she was awake, you don't think she would have just picked it up and gulp. No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> just be like, what is this? Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, maybe if she was a few years younger, she would <laughs> kids are always putting stuff in their mouth. This but, is true. <laughs> but because my interpretation was that the woodsman and Bob are in cahoots. Um, and yes. that, that they're from the same place. I kind of like your interpretation better of like the opposite of hate is indifference. It's just nothingness, not necessarily like the opposite of hate is love. Um, and so like your interpretation is that like the woodsman is like another, like another, like, uh, person in the battle you know that's not really taking part but is affecting things now that you mention it now that you mention it (laughs) the woodsman and all have it all of his um woods friends or versions of himself they they brought coop back or boop right they brought boop back. so so they do have a part in it yeah i don't know and if and if he put that young girl to sleep so that the bug went in her mouth i don't i don't for me i don't know if that's if that's, I don't think he did it for Bob because other people fell asleep too, you know? I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. I don't know, yeah. but I mean, maybe they are working together. I don't know. We'll have to see. Time will tell, right? 
time will tell. And yeah. that is all of our mysteries. Yeah, man, that was very exciting. <laughs> what a mysterious episode. Um, um do you- <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to do quotable quotations? I feel like there's really only a couple memorable quotes. Do you want to? I do. (laughs) Let's do it. Special thanks to Leo Wright on the jazz flute. Thank you for (laughs) providing the music to this segment. What's your quotable quotation, sir? There's really only one answer for me. Is it got a light? Got, got a light. <laughs> that was also my quotable quotation. Got a light. That guy has such a deep, sonorous voice, too. Like it sounds so intimidating. Got a light. Got a light. Got a light. Oh, you do a really good one. Got a light. Yeah, that's my <laughs> quote. It was either going to be that or his whole um, radio spiel, but I decided. Um, uh, to do the God of Light one. Yeah. Um, do you have an MVP for this episode? Of course I do. Uh, who would your MVP be, Miss Tess? Um, this is unconventional, but I'm going to give it to Ray. <laughs> Um, because okay because he tried to get rid of booper which i think is was it was a good uh it was he had good he had a good idea (laughs) because booper is really really bad and unfortunately i don't think ray realized that booper is on another level like he's not He's not just some normal bad guy that you can just take out like any other bad guy. And Ray doesn't strike me as a good guy, but he was trying to get rid of Booper and I appreciate that. And so I'm going to give Ray my MVP of that. I think that's not a bad idea because so, okay. So maybe Booper came back with some help from the woodsman. Um, but Ray couldn't have known that, right? And at the end of the day, even if Ray later gets killed by Booper, he can always say, I tricked him because he did, right? He Booper, did. I mean, how many people can say that? Like, how many times has Booper been tricked? Probably hardly any. And also, I'm intrigued by Ray because Ray is in cahoots with Philip Jeffries somehow. He's mm-hmm. communicating with him. And he and he utters that phrase about how there's something inside Cooper and it might be the key to everything. So uh, whereas I thought that Ray was just kind of like a normal, like just another bad guy that's got recruited into uh, Booper's schemes, there's something else going on with him. Like he's he's playing the game, you know, yeah. and if like all of this, all of this whole episode is about good and evil and indifference like where would i place ray like he's actually turning out to be much more of an interesting character than i thought he was and that's that's why i've given him the mvp (laughs) no i think that's fair um for me it's a tie um it's a tie between the woodsman um because well this is so much woodsman action in this episode like I, i i was really surprised when more like when they start running out of the woods um 
because uh, we uh, we'd only really seen him in that cell and maybe a little bit in the background in that one scene. So I I was prepared to be like, oh, that was just a smoke guy in a cell, and you know we'll never <laughs> see him again. But then he showed up again, and very exciting. The the way they do the sound, uh, like the woman in the car is like, Roar! you know, and everyone's just terrified and confused. And he's crunching people's heads and they're kind of doing this thing with their arms, like, you know, like that makes you think of Agent Smith too. Like, don't, you can't get away. And like, somehow he seems to like multiply. And it's just like, and all that stuff with um, all the many woodsmen in front of the, um, the convenience store is like so good. Um, so that's half of it. And the other half is to the frog moth. It's such a wonderful character design. Um, it was just so cool. You know, it's so cool. Um, I guess if we were to think about it too, um, if you're, cause you were talking about like a heaven and hell, white lodge, dark lodge, like both, um, both a moth or an insect and a frog are, um, two of the plagues, right. That plagued ancient Egypt and uh that God sent down right you know the story of Moses yeah that's what I thought I mean it did look like a moth but I mean it could have easily been like a long locust wings or something my first thought or yeah those are both also um or certainly maybe not moths maybe in moths and some guys but definitely frogs and some type of insects um can typically be evasive species too so like something that has gone somewhere where there are no predators that can attack it which is exactly what bob is you know so anyway i just very cool very cool and i'm anytime you have something crawling into the mouth of another person or out of the mouth i like things coming in or out of mouths um preferably big <laughs> um living things in or out i am a big fan like that was a very here's a chef's kiss that's a very good scene um those were my mvps um tess how many fish in a percolator would you give this episode fellas don't drink that coffee look at this guy you'd never guess there was a fish in the percolator yeah i love you um Um, if yeah. I, if I, if you'd asked me back in 2017 after I watched this and was just sitting in the dark, staring at the credits rolling, wondering what the hell I just watched, I probably would have given it like one fish out of a, out of, but, but now after this conversation, I'm giving it five fish. In a you wait you went from one to five there's no social I pressures that went into that because you can give it a one if it. you want i know i don't want to give it a one i wanted to give it a one back in the day but i feel like I, so when i first watched the return i i was just i watched every week i i watched when it came on i didn't like game of thrones was on at the same time as Twin Peaks The Return. And I would watch, I would watch Twin Peaks first. And then I would DVR Game of Thrones. And then I'd watch Game of Thrones. Sunday nights were long nights for me back then. But I I Twin Peaks was my priority. And I watched it every single week. And then I would listen to like three or four podcasts about it. And um and but I didn't know what I was experiencing. I was experiencing something. I wasn't experiencing Twin Peaks. I thought, I thought that's what I was going to experience, but this is a completely different animal. Now in, in the meantime, 
I feel like I've developed so much more of an appreciation for the return as some, as something separate from Twin Peaks that it's tangentially, it's like adjacent to Twin Peaks. It's, I feel like almost like I realize it's a continuation of the story, but it's, it's so much more. It's, it's a piece of art. It's David Lynch on 11 and um, I appreciate it for what it is now. And like I said, I've watched it. This is, I think, my third time watching The Return all the way through. I remember watching it the second time all the way through and just feeling a lot more comfortable with it, I guess, because I knew where it was going and I wasn't waiting for anything. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I was first watching it, I was waiting for like, well, when is this person going to show up and when is this going to happen? And when is Cooper going to wake the hell up? Like, that's what I've been. We're, <laughs> we're still waiting. We're still waiting. <laughs> waiting and like um since i know like where it's headed i can just enjoy the ride Mm -hmm. and um and and now this experience of watching it with you my friend i feel like has enriched it even more for me and now i'm giving this episode five out of five fish in a percolator excellent what did you give it and don't feel societally pressured to give it anything just give me your honest opinion as always when you said so it's funny because i think the reason i'm enjoying the return so much is it has a lot more of what were my favorite moments from twin peaks you know like to me um so actually when you said like how different this is from twin peaks it made me think of um there's a game developer named um uh, ken levine and he's worked on i think the first two or three the first three Bioshock games. Have you ever heard of those video games? I have heard of Bioshock. Yeah. Yes. And anyway, they're kind of, they're not like full on artsy games, but they involve like kind of like uh, some heady concepts and some really unique imagery and, and a world. Um, but at the end of the day, you're running around and you're shooting people, right? And one quote Kevin Levine has said, um, that's always stuck with me. And this isn't an exact quote, but he's always said like, the only reason you can shoot things in that game is because if you couldn't, they wouldn't have let me make it into a video game. You know, they wouldn't have let me make it a game. And so I feel like Twin Peaks, the original, was like David Lynch wanted to make a thing. And the only way he would be allowed to was to be like, here's a film about a murder or something because people were into murders and here's a crime drama. And it's like a crime drama. Pretend It's pretending to be a crime drama, but it's something else. And now with this one, he's like, I don't have to pretend anymore. You know, I don't have to have plot (laughs) or a narrative through line or even emotional payoff like like those things might happen but like i'm gonna tell a thing um so it should come as no surprise this is another infinite fish in infinite infinite um percolators um in infinite pete martell houses um and an infinite number of um trumans and coops are drinking from an infinite number of fishy coffee pots it was a phenomenal episode it is the reason in my opinion why film exists so good yep i liked it a little bit is what i'm saying (laughs) Mm -hmm. well i hope that you listeners enjoyed our conversation it's um uh it's been our pleasure to talk to you about twin peaks if you would like to email us your thoughts on part eight or anything else um uh, that email address is samepeaksyall at gmail.com. Uh, also, feel free to look us up on YouTube if you'd like to watch us discuss the episode. Um, 
you could just look up same team y'all on YouTube and you will find us. We are on Twitter at same team y'all. Um, we're also on Spotify. Go ahead and look up same team y'all on Spotify. I made a really excellent Halloween mix, you know, and it's kid friendly. If you got kiddos at home, I would love for you to check out my Halloween mix. I'm really proud of it. And some other mixes that we've made are also there. There's the hashtag grown man crying mix of Mm -hmm. songs that make Leaf cry. Uh, There's the um, librarians guilty pleasures mix of songs that librarians uh, under duress confess that they enjoy. (laughs) There's just some good mixes in there that I hope that you can... (laughs) enjoy with us and uh um hey uh what was your name again (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry give me a second my name's tess (laughs) you know what f you leaf (laughs) (laughs) 